electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to help you make some money. My job, not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you about days like today. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. We shouldn't trust the rally. It has to fail. You will lose fortunes. Do you know how many times I've heard that over the last 40 years? Yet only twice in my entire career, the dot-com collapse and the Great Recession was the rally actually not to be trusted. And that's how the Dow went from 863 when I started in this business to 33,592 today. If that isn't proof positive, I don't know what is. But still, there's a preponderance of critics who see this move as yet another funny advance, including today where the Dow gained 56 points, as it declined 0.87%. NASDAQ surged 1.45%. This morning, we had the Dow store 450 points almost from the get-go, based on a fantastic quarter from Walmart and a cooler-than-expected producer price index number. It was up 0.2% for October. We were looking for 0.4%. A soft PPI is often a great indicator that inflation has peaked. But something else happened, and it was totally amazing and totally in keeping with my theory that excessive skepticism about rallies has cost people fortunes by keeping them on the sidelines, even in the face of bullish news. So yesterday, President Biden met with President Xi from China. Wall Street yawned. Traders just didn't think the three-hour meeting moved the needle at all. Most tech stocks finished the day down after the late afternoon meltdown, and it seemed like everybody was once again betting on a tech recession, and China wasn't going to help. But that sure wasn't the reaction in China. Maybe because they're starved for good news over there. Chinese investors loved the meeting, and they showed their love by sending their stock market soaring. I think people in China remember when America used to be a much bigger buyer of their goods and they see the meeting with Biden as a reopening of the Chinese market. Hey, maybe they finally need us as much as we need them. 
The rally in Shanghai quickly reverberated back over here, leading to a jump in any American tech with even benign exposure to China, especially the semiconductors, semiconductor capital equipment makers, who've been punished by the U.S. government. Because, uh, well, their products had to be banned from being sold in China or, or, or the intellectual property because a lot of it was being used for the military. It doesn't matter that Biden and she didn't even discuss the semi-issue. And there's no reason to think these have gotten better at all. The stock's acting like we're on the verge of a big deal, though. Aided, le- aided totally by a left field, just a, a, a shot to left field by Warren Buffett, a gigantic bet on Taiwan Semiconductor, the huge Taiwanese chip manufacturer we're also worried about. Where did that come from? So what do we have here? We had both the industrials and the techs rally. And once again, it looked like yesterday's late-day sell-off was a pure fake-out. By the way, Walmart was one of the stocks that let us lower yesterday, and that bonus declined. It went from, it was like, like 3.30, it was like up a dollar, it finished down four. But today it rocketed higher, soaring nine points in the wake of a fantastic quarter and taking the rest of retail with it. You know how these ETFs will link everything, even as the fine print indicated that non-food sales were actually less than ideal. And the month-by-month cadence didn't seem strong to me. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. Now, you'll really like this. As both the NASDAQ and the Dow were rising, uh, something terrible happened over in, uh, in Central Europe. We got reports that Russian missiles had landed in Poland and killed two people. Now, Poland is a member of NATO. What you need to know about NATO is that it's an all-for-one, one-for-all alliance, which means our government could easily use this provocation as an excuse to directly attack Russia in Ukraine. Now, that's something like the Bay of Pigs crisis, 1962. It's like the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, this is bad news. So it caused the data plummet from up more than 100 points at that moment to down 216 in its lows. But you know what? It barely bruised the tech stocks. As the owners of these were still basking in the glow of the presidential meeting that they didn't even care about 24 hours ago. And accelerated the oil stocks that had been merely hovering until the missile story. And you know I like the oil stocks. We own a ton of them for the Travel Trust, and we're going to be talking about them heavily at our Thursday club meeting at noon. Later in the day, the averages bounced back when we got reports that, we, that the damage actually may have come from Russian missile fragments that were shot out of the sky by Poland's missile defense system. Mind you, all of this occurred in the face of real uncertainty about the composition of Congress next year, and of course, not to mention the extraordinary collapse of all things crypto, where the apostles of trash tried to salvage their wealth from the digital waste management landfill. Kudos to Scotty Wapner, by the way, for an amazing interview with a fellow by the name of Pomp. Boy, those guys, they're just vociferous in their love, even in the, in the shape of disaster. Now, I put all this out because the market hung in there, even in the face of some incredibly negative headlines, even including the possibility that Home Depot only made its numbers via inflation, and Walmart made them because of good food sales, bad news for less food-dependent competitors, I mean, for instance, like Target. How is this possible? First, because the gentle producer price index number might be enough to make the Fed slow down the pace of its rate hikes. That jives with the lack of transactions in housing and the astounding jump in credit card debt that, uh, you know, I got to tell you, Brian Sullivan talked a lot about that this afternoon. Second, and more important, it comes down to what we call the animal spirits of the market. While the averages have spent the last 40 years steadily moving higher, occasionally we get what I call course corrections. Quite simply, what needs to happen to fix, in order to fix the economy to calm inflation will inevitably happen. It just takes some time, uh, aided, of course, by better Fed chairmen like the one we have now, Jay Powell. For example, when you look at the makeup of the producer price index, it's clear what happened in this country. We had way too much of a happy days are here again moment 
as we move beyond COVID. And then it came, it came right after a darkest before dawn moment. Or to put it in business terms, we were headed for a COVID-induced recession. So the government gave us a lot of money and the Fed slashed interest rates to zero, which then caused the economy to explode. Problem is, it worked too well, especially once we got the working vaccines much faster than most experts expected. Suddenly, we were past the pandemic and the consumer was flush with cash. That led to an incredible inflationary buying spree, including of stocks, that's now running out of juice at the same time rates are rapidly rising. Logistically, almost no industry was ready for the buying onslaught. If we can see the end of the purchasing spree, which includes houses, cars, big ticket items, the stuff you buy at stores because the stimulus has run out and we can't afford sky high credit card debt and bullying mortgages. It's a huge positive for stocks. It helps that we've finally worked out the kinks of the supply chain that we're creating shortages all over the place. Put it all together. And there's a real possibility the Fed can indeed engineer that fabled soft landing for the economy. I think all this deflation will be aided by some very weak apparel, hard goods, and toy sales, huge categories going forward. you got to understand, October was an extremely weak month for retail in this country. There are promotions everywhere. Even Walmart put on a good show, but I didn't get any comfort about the last month, and I don't have any comfort for the next month. Remember, Walmart is lower end than, say, Target, which could have a much tougher time. I'm not sure if it's the tech layoffs, the end of the stimulus, which includes the child tax credit, or an overall sense of fear or even doom. But I do think things have clearly gone awry. It's just, but it's just awry enough to make it so the Fed slows down the pace of its rate hikes to the point where we still feel more pressure, but we don't get a recession. That's the holy grail. No matter what. I reiterate that October was bad enough that I don't think the retailers can bounce back from a very promotional November and holiday season. Good for Ollie's. Great for TJX, which the Chapel Trust owns. Terrific for the consumer. Amazing for the Fed and therefore perfect for investors. The ultimate baddest good Christmas story. Bottom line, even as the news backdrop is far from positive, it's striking that investors have a positive bias one year into the downturn, despite the fact that the bears keep telling us not to trust our lying eyes. Hey, how about we go to my home state? Let's go to Bob in New Jersey. Bob! Hey, Jim. I really enjoy your show, and I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know, every morning you, David, and Carl do a terrific job, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, you know, I couldn't keep myself from that show today. My wife said, what are you doing, man? You have the morning off. I said, that means nothing to me. Nothing. I'm going right back on. How can I help? Hey, Jim, with the with a recent pullback in this particular stock, uh, PE around 26, I was just wondering what your, uh, uh, and a great performance record, by the way, I'm just uh, wondering what your opinion would be on whether I should take up uh, and add to my position of UNH, United Healthcare. Okay, the healthcare stock's a little bit weak here. UNH and Humana, which the Chapel Trust owns, became, come in for the last couple of days. Let these come in more. UNH is a very, very good company. But I don't want you to get trapped. I think it's got a few more points to the downside. Even as the news backdrop is far from positive, it's pretty striking that investors have a positive bias one year into the downturn, isn't it? Oh, man, money tonight. Is Walgreens Boots Alliance the retail turnaround story that investors have been craving for? I'm taking a close look at the stock. Then, given some positive inflation news, which sent the market higher, has this tape finally shaken off the worries and is ready to continue heading higher? I'm going to do the charts to find out. And then, some special visitors stopped by the exchange earlier today. I'll be answering their most pressing questions. 
This is Cadet Jacob Gurley with the West Point Finance Club here at the New York Stock Exchange, and we want to say, Go Army, we Navy! Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visible visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. I don't even know if it'll last till tomorrow. But retail earnings got off on the right foot this morning when Walmart reported a phenomenal beat in race quarter, pulled the whole group higher. Hey, Walmart's up nine points. Tonight, though, I want to spend a few minutes talking about another retailer we've been monitoring for a while now. It's a turnaround story. It's Walgreens Boots Alliance. This drugstore chain has been one of the worst long-term performers out there, just very poorly run compared to its only big competitor, CVS. But 20 months ago, Walgreens brought in a new CEO, Roz Brewer, formerly the chief operating officer of Starbucks. She was a hitter. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Brewer, so I've been optimistic about what she can do at Walgreens. Not optimistic enough to recommend the stock, though, until maybe now. We've just been watching this one because there are some real issues. Walgreens was a major COVID beneficiary. People came in for shots and bought stuff while they were there. But like all the COVID winners, it went out of style once the world went back to normal, except for CVS. On the top of that, the whole drugstore industry has been plagued by theft. People love to shoplift the pricier items and then unload them on Amazon. They fence them. 
I don't like to, to speak anecdotally, but if you go to Walgreens' own down, uh, Dwayne Reed, in, in New York City, it's really about a block from here, huge amount of the merchandise is now behind lock and key. It used to be just razors, but now you even have to ask help for, to get some shampoo. Really suboptimal shopping experience, especially because they don't really come when you ring the bell until much later than you want to wait for. I think theft is a major issue talked about in hush-hush terms. It's costing these companies tens of billions of dollars. They have no answer for it right now. Their prevention efforts, including the bells you press to get the cabinets open, simply don't work. But they don't have enough staff. The cashiers are not trained. The guards are non-existent. And if it gets big enough, well, it gets fenced right to Amazon. In fact, the whole pilferage experience is one giant game for Amazon itself, especially if people start feeling unsafe in stores. And that has happened in a couple of cities. That's it. We're finally seeing signs that Brewer may be turning things around, especially that last quarter. And, uh, and the stock's already up about 34% from last month's lows. So before Walgreens uh, runs away from us, I want to take a fresh look. First, you need to know what Walgreens has historically been, which is a total dog. This thing was a $97 stock in the summer of 2015. We're falling to around 60 right before the beginning of the pandemic. Well, I've been wrong. Mainly, Walgreens acquired Alliance Boots. That was a European pharmacy chain, creating an unwieldy brick-and-mortar outfit with exposure to far too many markets, just as Amazon started encroaching on the drugstore business. Oh, and it was saddled with the weakest management in the industry, literally for decades. In fact, it was barely managed at all. Once the pandemic hit, the stock initially plunged to the low 30s. But after we heard that vaccines were on the way in November 2020, Walgreens caught fire, spiking back to the mid-50s by early last year. Since then, though, it's been drifting down, 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 again, as the pandemic tailwinds faded. The funny thing is, under the leadership of Ross Brewer, Walgreens has actually reported some solid earnings this year. But it never seems to matter to anybody. Wall Street keeps writing these numbers off as artificially inflated by COVID and worrying about management's seemingly cautious guidance. The 4.7% yield, it hasn't mattered to anybody. Brewers now had nearly two years to turn things around. And I'm finally beginning to think it's time to bet on Walgreens. You got to understand, Brewer, she's a star. Look at this. See this? That's called a bottom. As the COO of Starbucks, she helped the chain accelerate its growth and continue to expand all over the world. Now, I was surprised when Walgreens managed to poach her. Big win for them. I thought she'd end up being the head of Starbucks. And now, after 20 months, she's got her team in place. On the latest conference call, we heard about the new structure of the U.S. business. It's new or- now organized into healthcare, pharmacy, and retail. It makes so much sense. Each group has leader. Good, there's ownership. Just as important, Walgreens has gotten over some major overhangs. There were some real problems that needed to be resolved here. For example, there had been a lot of speculation that the company might sell Boots, its British drugstore business. But in late June, Walgreens announced that they were keeping Boots, ending the strategic review. Wall Street didn't exactly love this resolution. The stock actually lost 10% on the value of its value the following three days. But I like that Walgreens is finally confident enough in the Boots business to retain ownership, at least for the time being. Plus, given the state of the markets, this would be a terrible time to do a sale, don't you think? More recently, we learned that Walgreens is paying roughly $5 billion to resolve the bulk of its opioid-related lawsuits. Now, nobody ever wants a stock they own to take a $5 billion legal aid. But you know what? We, we knew something like this was coming for a long time, and frankly, it could have been a lot worse. The settlement takes a ton of uncertainty off the table. At the same time, Brewer's been making some big moves. Walgreens owns a big stake in and Amerisource Bergen, that's that big drug distributor. Boy, what a consistent player that has been. But they've gradually been selling those shares this year. They sold $900 million worth in the spring. Then last week, they sold another $1.55 billion via secondary offering. That's a lot of cash for Walgreens. And they still own a 20% stake in Amerisource, and that's not bad, too. 
Brewers also making acquisitions. Last year, Walgreens bought a 70% stake in a company called Shields Health Solutions, especially pharma play that's particularly well ingrained with a large number of hospital systems. Then in September, they snapped up their main 30%. Now, last month, this was a big one. Walgreens also bought a company called CareCentrics, which is a play on the home care industry. They provide care coordination and outsource benefit management solutions. Basically, CareCentrics help, uh, helps handle people with chronic conditions as, as they move from a hospital to being cared for at home. Finally, last week, P.S. results. Walgreens announced that it's spending $3.5 billion to support the acquisition of Summit Health City MD by Village MD, the primary care business that they have a majority stake in. They run a bunch of clinics either located within a Walgreens or right next to one, and the Summit Health deal gives them more than 370 additional locations across the Mid Atlantic and Oregon. If you live in New York, you might recognize these City MD branded urgent care clinics. I like to go, they're good. Between Shields Care Centrics and Summit Health, CDMD, Brewers built a whole new growth strategy. Kind of reminds you when CVS decided to go that way. And how successful was that? These are rapidly expanding businesses that fall under Walgreens' U.S. health division. That matters for the previously growth-starved drugstore chain. Now, when Walgreens reported its most recent quarter a month ago, the results were solid. Despite some tough comparisons, we got higher than expected sales. Three cent earnings beat off a 77 basis. I presume they were going to miss. Unfortunately, management's four-year earnings forecast was only in line with what Wall Street was looking for, thanks to currency headwinds and those typical COVID-era comparisons. I wanted a boost. If you dig deeper, though, Walgreens gave you some very bullish long-term targets for the U.S. healthcare division and talked about the whole company building to earnings growth in the uh, low teens by the 2025 fiscal year beyond. It was far from perfect, but the stock actually jumped 5% in response. And overall, it's rallied nearly 30% since the quarter. Why? Well, here's what I think. Earlier this year, Walgreens would uh, report strong numbers and get no credit for them because they were getting a temporary boost in the pandemic. But now we're much closer to lapping those numbers, and Brewer's got a good story to tell about the growth in her healthcare division. And that's why I'm more optimistic about owning Walgreens. Plus, all these levels, at these levels, the stock still trades nine times at nine times the midpoint of its full-year forecast. And remember that 4.7% yield I mentioned. This is insanely cheap for a recession-proof company at this point in the business cycle. Here's the bottom line. Walgreens has been a cheap stock with a high yield for ages, but now it's finally got a great CEO who's delivering a smart plan to get the company growing in. I like it. I want to bet on Roz Brewer. Would you sell CVS to buy Walgreens? Stranger trades have happened. Dead money's back after the Coming up, a Mad Money salute to service. Kramer takes questions from the cadets of West Point. Army stocks only go up. Navy. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. From the New York Stock Exchange, this is Mad Money. Well, last week was Veterans Day. On Mad Money, we are all about Veterans Month, honoring the women and men who dedicate their lives to protecting our freedom every day. Earlier today, a group of very impressive cadets from the Finance Club at West Point stopped by the New York Stock Exchange. We asked them to share the most burning market questions. So let's get right to it with our first cadet, Christopher. Booyah, Jim. In the history of your investing experience, what do you find to be the single most recession-resilient stock, and what you got for us going forward? All right, look, it's straight, straight out. Christopher, it's the drug stocks. And they always are going to be because they have nothing to do with the economy. And my favorite one right now, and people in the investing club know that, is Eli Lilly. They've got the best pipeline. That's how you analyze stocks that are in the pharma group. Next up, we have a question on Tesla. Hey, Jim. Unfortunate, unfortunate loss last night against the Washington Commanders. Um, but they're still considered a powerhouse uh, in the NFL. And on the topic of powerhouses, just wanted to ask uh, more about Tesla. Uh, with more and more gas car companies like General Motors and Ford, um, how do you think that affects Tesla's market share in the industry? Um, do you think that Tesla has an enough of a competitive advantage? Um, or do you think that General Motors and Ford will eventually rise up? What a fantastic question. I have to tell you, I think that they will rise up eventually, but not in the time frame that it would disturb an investment in buying Tesla here, particularly if Elon Musk is done selling his Tesla to fund his Twitter acquisition. So I'm okay on it. Let's turn now to a question on Oracle. Booyah, Jim. How do you think uh, Oracle purchasing Cerner is going to impact the company in the long term and specifically impact the stock within the next 10 years? Oh, I have to tell you, I love the acquisition of Cerner because I think they can go after some of the best hospital groups that are currently almost all taken by a private company that I believe is very vulnerable. And I just think that as far as I'm concerned, it's a decent investment right here. Now a question from Spencer. Hey, Jim, given the current push towards an increase in renewable energy use in the United States, what, in your opinion, is the best green sector energy stock to invest in today? Go Bulldogs. Okay, now, I I happen to like, this is not my favorite sector because it's very overbought, but I like Enphase Energy because that is the one that really does categorize everything that happened. It's like they wrote the energy bill uh, out of Congress, but it is an expensive stock. Next up, we have Luke. Booyah, Jim. What opportunities do you see for investing in European markets as they face a short-term energy crisis and look to rely on alternate energy sources? Go Ducks, baby. Okay. Go Ducks. Okay, now let me tell you something. I am not, periodically this happens, I'm not going to recommend any European stocks. They are way too hostage to Russia. I didn't think they would be, but they are, and I don't find them at any, any bottom. I think Nestle's if you have to, but that's really about it. Let's turn now to Garrett. Hey, Jim. What's going down in Arkansas? Tyson Foods CFO and Beyond Meats COO were just arrested down there. What do you think's in store for Tyson Foods or Beyond Meats? Go Brew Dogs. Um, I, 
I don't want to denigrate the state of Arkansas, which is just an absolutely terrific state. I've been there. I've been to Texarkana, which is great because on one side you're here and you're in Texas, and then you go over here and you're in Arkansas. But I tell you, I want to be on the Texas side where a lot of great companies are. When you're on the Arkansas side, there really is nothing that I want to buy. I do want to go a football game, but I got to tell you, I'm staying on this side of the border. Okay, now here's a question from Major Alex Two. Major Alex Two. Hey, Jim, this is Major Alex Thu with the West Point Finance Club, and I want to ask you about the all-important energy transition, specifically with regard to the nuclear sector. How do you feel about centrist energy core or new-scale power? I'm not recommending any nuclear stories, and I'll tell you why. Because I think, despite the fact that a lot of people feel it's going to make a comeback, I've yet to find anyone willing to put billions of dollars, which is what's needed, in to make a resurgence of nuclear. So I am going to say no to nuclear power stocks. Hey, how about we turn to a question from Aiden? Hey, Jim, what are your current thoughts on the Reddit situation? Do you think we'll see another GameStop this year? Go H1 Root Hogs. Oh, boy. Uh, look, I, I think that what happens here is, is that I don't want a GameStop situation because that became a situation of battling shareholders. I like to invest in companies, not in fighting shareholders. And so I don't want to encourage it. I think it's a big mistake to try to bet that way. Lastly, let's get to Dietrich. He's got a question on Disney. Mad Money Jim, do you still see value in Disney? Go Dogs. All right. Anytime you have a company that could go up 25 points if they simply announced that the CEO was leaving, call me a buyer, particularly if the franchise is good. The balance sheet's very bad at Disney, and that is really shocking. But the fact is, is that this quarter was so abominable that I think it's time for a change. Hey, listen, there's, they fired Frank Reich. He had a fantastic track record, okay? You can fire people who have bad track records in this business. They just make a lot more money. That's the only difference. And I am worried about the Colts going into that next Eagle game. All right, thank you so much to all the cadets. We love West Point. Bad Money is back after the break. Boom! Coming up, could this rally run all the way to Christmas? Kramer checks the charts to see what Santa may have in store next. After another good day for the averages, in the wake of some encouraging inflation news, this time it was a cooler than expected producer price index number. We gotta ask ourselves if this market's changes stripes. You know, that's my theme for most of this year. Chasing big rallies was a gigantic mistake. Just when you thought things were getting better, boom, the Federal Reserve would raise interest rate again and give you some grim commentary about the need for even more tightenings. But man, this market's not trading like that anymore, is it? At least for the moment. Now that it looks like inflation is peaking, that means the Fed can afford to be a little less ruthless, which would be great news for the stock market. Of course, the problem with this thesis is that we've been there before when commodity prices. Remember when the prices peaked over the summer? I know I was leading that band charge, leading some to assume that the Fed would declare victory in the fight against inflation, uh, only for Jay Powell to crush our hopes all over again in August, as he didn't think that commodity inflation was important as wage inflation. Now, this makes this a tricky moment, especially because the hottest stocks on a day like today are the tech names, the ones I have the least confidence in, frankly. 
But when the market's tough to fathom, I like to take my emotions out of the equation and fall back on technical analysis, TA, because it gives us a more empirical way to approach the market, unemotional. And that's why tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Jessica Inskip. She's a genius technician. She was the first woman on the active trader desk at Fidelity before becoming the director of advanced trader strategy at Merrill Self Direct. Now she's the director of product and education at Options Play, but she still consults with all the major brokerage firms in the self-directed space. Plus, you can see her every Tuesday on Fidelity's weekly options trading show, In the Money. Now, I got to tell you, Inskip's feeling pretty good about this market. Now, some of that's because we've got a powerful seasonal pattern on our side. We talk about this every year. As we get into late November, we tend to have a powerful Santa Claus rally through the holidays. Just as important from Instagram's perspective, we don't need to worry about any major macroeconomic catalyst to the middle of next month when we get the next Consumer Price Index reading and, of course, the next Fed meeting. Even if J-PAL decides not to ease up on the rate hikes, we're not going to know about it for weeks which means the averages are free to romp in the meantime. And that's what they've done historically. Now, on top of that, Inskip likes what she's seeing in the options data. I don't want to get into too much detail here, but she's got her own proprietary system to figure out the directional bias of the averages based on options volume and the concentration of those options contracts. What she finds is that when we're looking at the S&P 500 contracts for November, December and January, things look not so hot for November, but those options expire in a few days. Once we're in December, her methodology says things get a lot more bullish for cooling off a bit in January. The S&P is pretty diversified, though. What about something more tech-heavy like the NASDAQ 100? These stocks have been roaring in recent weeks, but Inskip's system suggests that, that things look less bullish in December before they turn brown, pretty down bearish in January. And I've seen that before. January tech sell-offs are legendary. Based on the options data, the S&P is staying power. But the NASDAQ 100 might only get a brief Santa Claus pop. Remember, I told you technology is the least part of this market. On the other hand, the Russell 2000 small cap index has a very bullish directional bias. All of this supports a broad-based rally at least through December 16th, which is December options expiration day. From mid-December through mid-January, Inskip th- expects things to get a little more complicated. But let's just, let's just deal with reality right now. Let's dig deeper. Take a look at the daily chart of the S&P 500. Inskip points out that when the S&P was making lower lows in late September and early October, we caught what is known as a bullish divergence. That's the yellow signs here. Specifically, the relative strength index, that's the RSI, okay, and the moving average convergence divergence, or the MACD line, started gaining strength at the same time, right? Uh, and these are two important momentum indicators, and the rep term predicts, all right? They're not coincident. They predicted the market's rally. Then late last month, the S&P broke through the ceiling, of resistance at 3,800, which is, you want to look at here, this is the resistance line, okay? Broke through it. Now the ceiling has become a floor of support running from 3,740 to 3,810, and that's the 3,810 right there. Okay, so now, uh, down, it's down about 200 points from where it's currently trading. Just today, though, the S&P broke out above a key Fibonacci level. We had a ceiling at 3,998. I was talking about that with Carl this morning when I was squawking the streets. Uh, and because it represented a 38.2% retracement uh, of the prior move, that's positive. Now, Inskip thinks the next stop could be the 200-day moving average, which is currently 4078. And you would really want to be long for this one. Yes, we couldn't break past that level at the peak in August. Okay, all the way back it failed. 
Maybe this time will be different now that inflation finally seems to be going in the right direction. The August one was that fake out by just the, the actual raw commodities, not wage inflation. Now, OK, so let's now switch to the NASDAQ 100. Now, tech let us down all year. Remember, it peaked in November of last year. And in recent weeks, it's been leading us back up ever so slowly. Of course, this would also be the first group to implode the moment the Fed starts talking tough about big rate hikes again. Inskip points out that the NASDAQ 100 is still in the process of clearing the ceiling resistance that runs from 11,600 to 11,841. Here's your ceiling resistance right here. And you see it's having a very, very tough time trying to breach that. It broke out above that level during the day-to-day, and if it can stay up there, Inscript says to expect a stronger rally. So today, she thinks, was a crucial day. I'm not so sure, but I like the, I like the idea here. Remember, her option analysis says the next four weeks could be very good for everything, including tech. So if we get a down opening tomorrow, maybe that's a chance. Finally, now look at this one. This is a daily chart of the Russell 2000 small cap index. We care about the Russell because we like a market with good breadth. We're not going to have a sustainable rally here unless we're seeing strength across the board. A couple of weeks ago, the Russell 2000 broke out above its ceiling of resistance. This is a very important zone of 1,800. And again, you can see it's got to go straight through and then boom, right through that level. Very positive. Plus, the index didn't actually make a lower low last month, although it came pretty close. That's an encouraging sign. Now, it's trying to break out above its new ceiling of resistance uh, at the 1,900 level. That's this gray line. Uh, which it did at one point today. Inscript says that if, if the Russell 2000 can stay here above its 200-day moving average, well, she expects more strength. So we're obviously at a very pivotal level for this one. I, I think the S&P is better uh, than, ta- than uh, NASDAQ and then this one. Here's the bottom line. The charts, as interpreted by Jessica Inskip, suggest that this rally could potentially have real legs, at least through mid-December. Things could change as we get closer to the next Fed meeting a month from today. But in the meantime, there's a lot to like about this market. And my commentary is to say that we are at crucial levels, but that I am biased toward the long side between here and year end. Fed money is back after the break. Coming up, Kramer wants to hear from you. Your calls on the thunderous lightning round. Next. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Dad, Time for the lightning round. Chris, let's start with Jonathan in Indiana. Jonathan. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Jonathan. What's hey. up? Hey, last week, every chart I looked at said that America was went down 90% overnight, and it doesn't seem to be a split. What's going on with you all, Jim? It's an expensive stock. I mean, it sells at a very low price time. Sure, I kind of like it. I think it might be a good place to be. I'll do more work, but I think it looks good. Let's go to Jerry in California. Jerry. Yeah, hi, Jim. Hi. Hey, yeah. what's up? Good. Got a stock here uh, that in a good market has been very considerably been going down seven of the last sessions. So I want your input. Hold, get out of whatever, of McKesson. Well, look, this is a healthcare company. The healthcare stocks have been hit, as a lot of people feel that the economy is about to reignite. I'm not sure if I necessarily feel that way, and I think McKesson is an incredible long-term hold. Let's go to Terry in Washington. Terry! Like I fool you, Jim. How are you? Today? You bet. I'm doing well. How hey, are you? have been my financial advisor title since Louis Rukeyser retired. Uh, I, I love Louis. He's got a lot, of it. a lot of us got our start with him. Thank you. 
Jim, I'm looking for the best electrical grid play. I like power. PWR, what do you think? That's a very, very good company. I think you do a lot worse than that one. I like it too. I think you got, you got horse sense. Let's go to uh, Jason, Alabama. Jason. Mr. Kramer, I'm a club member. Yes. I'm a military veteran. Thank you for Thank your you. confidence on the show encouraging companies to hire more veterans. Thank you. Uh, Jim, I'm looking for a veteran-owned company to invest in, and I know we're down on all the SPACs, but what about BRCC, Black Rifle Coffee Company? Mm, you know, I, I, I need companies to make money. I'm not recommending any companies that are losing money. It's just too still a dangerous market, even though I have to say I like the market more than I used to because it's year-old bear. Let's go to Marty in Florida. Marty. Jimmy, you're the hardest working financial advisor out there. Keep it up. Sure try. Sure try. Thank you. Yeah, Jim, my stock is B&G Foods. Um, can it recover? Right, no, yeah. I, I tell you the truth. They, they, their formula was a good formula for a while by an older brand. Try to make them uh, re-engage re- re- them, but it's not worked, and I think you got to roll away from it. Let's go to Drew in Florida. Drew. Booyah, Jim. First time, long time. Sorry about your Eagles. Uh, but, yeah, it was a rough, that was a rough loss. Rough loss. What's happy up? for my uh, Dolphins undefeated season, though, still in tech. So, they look good. Know, they look good. Got to give a little. No, no, my the undefeated season I'm talking about. But That's uh, true. 72. Anyways, Love them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, anyways, I was calling in about uh, Total Energy, TTE, and your thoughts. Uh, t- total Energy is, is you know, not, it, 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 you know, look, there are so many better oil companies. I mean, I think Chevron on the majors. I think Pioneer on the minors. Those, well, I shouldn't go on the smaller independents. Those are the two that I like best. Let's go to uh, Chris in California. Chris. Hi, Jim. How are you today? I am good. How are you? Very good, thank you. Standing on the beautiful coast by San Simeon, California, looking at the ocean. Ah, it is gorgeous there. What's going on? Hey, I'm interested in Polestar, P-S-N-Y. It's an interesting spec, but again, in other words, it's losing money. And as Phil, as Phil LeBeau said today, they're not all going to make it. And I completely share his view. Let's go to Todd in North Carolina. Todd. Hey, Jim. How are you this evening? Hi. Doing good. How about you? Great. First time caller, long time listener. Excellent. Um, Thank you. I know that one of your favorite companies is Nucor. However, Absolutely. with a P ratio of less than three and a half times next year's earnings, instead of falling off these guys, should we be falling on, would you still consider Cleveland Cliff, CLF? No, I think you have Newcourt four and a half times earnings. It's just a better company. Let's stick with quality. Let's stick with a company that really has had endless growth. It's got the right product, and it's going to be really good for infrastructure. I need to go to Scott in Virginia. Scott. Jimmy Kill in the house. Fuyowski, Dad. How you doing, partner? The, the company I'm calling about is Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank, I'll tell you, we've got so many good banks in our country. You know, J.P. Morgan is terrific. Bank of America. And by the way, Wells Fargo, which we own for the Chapel Trust. I'd rather see you in those. I think that they're better. Let's go to Sam in Alabama. Sam. Booyah, Jim. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. I'm talking about Bell, 
I'm calling about Vail Resorts, ticker MTN. I like Vail. We did a piece on it. It's got a nice yield. It's got good growth. I think that is an interesting and actually excellent way to play the travel situation in America. I see good things. How about we go to Anthony in New York? Anthony. How you doing, Jim? I want to see what you think about uh, symbol ENVX. What's your outlook on that? Uh, No, I'm losing a lot of money. Can't be in there. Again, you know, these electric, anything electric is just too much for me. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, don't let Wall Street traders take all the fun out of fundamentals. Why home gamers won't want to sell themselves short. Next. been thinking. We tend to give the market too much credit. We often talk about the action on Wall Street like it's somehow omniscient. When you see a stock trading a certain way, there's an assumption that somebody must know something or else it wouldn't be happening. But sometimes the traders know nothing. They know nothing! Or less than nothing. So if you try to extrapolate from the action, it'll only lead you to idiotic conclusions and quickly blow up in your face. Constellation Brands, STZ, the maker of Modelo, Corona, and Pacifico, the brands that provide almost all the growth in the American beer business. I like this one so much that we own it big for the Chapel Trust. We'll discuss it at Thursday's club meeting. Big position. Last month, Constellation reported 12% net sales growth. Extraordinary. Do you know that greater than 30% increase in earnings per share? Those are phenomenal gains. The stock's been trading in a narrow range ever since then. That, and that makes no sense. It's, it's kind of like it, it feels out of step with the uh, performance. Specifically, it makes no sense given Constellation's bountiful cash flow. I think they could borrow money gigantically and and, and buy back a ton of stock if they wanted to, yet it hasn't mattered one bit. Last night, though, we discovered maybe what's been ailing, what's been hindering, what's been stopping the stock. There was a giant block trade after the close, 3.7 million shares at $240.50. That's well below the $244 price target where it closed yesterday. In other words, this is a trade that occurred after the market closed. I believe that stock belonged to the Sands family, the largest shareholders who recently converted their Class B shares, ones with 10 times the voting power, into regular Class A shares, which they can easily sell. That freed up 29.9 million shares of stock that was registered for sale just last week. I think that last night's block trade may have been the beginning of the sale of the block. Now, we have no idea how much the Sands family might want to unload, but they didn't sell it back to the company, which I think would have been happy to retire some of those shares directly. Now, there's good news and bad news here. The good news, the not-so-hot action in Constellation, the stock, has nothing to do with Constellation, the company, which is doing very well. The bad news, the shareholders are doing this independently of the company, so we don't really have any clear idea when they'll stop. We don't know how much they're going to try to unload. And that makes it tough to game. Now, Now, all we can do is count the block sales and acknowledge there could be another 26 million shares to go. Let's hope they are done for now and let the bids build up again. Or they contact the company and let it buy a huge chunk. Right, take it off the market. That would be a, that would be a deal. Now, how about another example of the action leading people astray? Yesterday, we got an incredibly stupid one. Near the close, we saw massive sellers of the largest retailer in the world, Walmart. They took the stock down five bucks and colored the trading into the bell. It's like, woo, something must be wrong. It really freaked out everybody. They figured the sellers have to know something, right? Turns out it was a false tell. 
Just because the sellers were blasting out the world's largest retailer did not make them right. In fact, they were total clowns. They knew nothing and cost themselves fortunes. Bozos! Because when Walmart reported this morning, they announced a monster $20 billion buyback on top of a terrific quarter, much better than expected, and the stock soared. Now, there are lessons here. The most important one being that the action is often wrong, because normally the buyers or sellers simply don't have access to non-public information. Maybe they're guessing. There are times when they don't seem to get it right at all, but we seem to revere them. I need you to stop thinking they know more than you. The Sands family may be tired of owning Constellation. Maybe they're diversifying for estate planning. Maybe they just need the cash. Maybe the big seller in Walmart was just a big scaredy cat or someone who didn't know what the heck they were doing. The seller missed out on nine glorious points. Either way, can we please stop being fearful? of what happens when sellers do their thing because they're frequently dead wrong about the company itself and can't be trusted. In the end, they're often just as clueless as everybody else. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.